Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time for the man that show hosts across the country have been raving about. What this guy move. has got to be one of the cockiest human beings on planet Earth. On Earth, I love him. You I happen to like that guy, but who the hell does he think he is? I like that. Okay, maybe not Evan Cohen, but Mike Babchick has a weird obsession with him. That's why I like him, because he's he's hot! He's even caught the eye of Adam Shine. Joe Serralo, pride of St. Bonaventure. Woj has called him the future of the industry. If you're still not sold, well, take Adam's advice. If you don't believe me, ask Joe. He'll be the first one to tell you how great he is. Now, it's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with, you guessed it, Joe Sorallo. I might be too strong, I don't compliments, overdosed on confidence, started not to give a fuck and stop fearing the consequence, drinking every night because we drink to my accomplishments, faded way too long, I'm floating in and out of consciousness, and they saying I'm back, I'd agree with that, I just take my time with all this shit, I still believe in that, I had someone tell me I fell off, ooh I needed that, and they wanna see me pick back up, well where'd I leave it at? Oh baby, I know, I I know you've been waiting months for this, I have too, Baseball's back, basketball's back, now hockey's back, and so is Serralo Sports Talk. I mean, how amazing is it that in a span of a week and a half, we've got three of the four major sports back, and they are back in full swing. Playoff hockey, basketball just winding down before the postseason begins, baseball the sprint to October. Look, the stakes have been raised, and I'm going to get to it all. I'm going to get to the disastrous week it's been for the New York Mets. I'm going to get to why, in addition to the MLB, NBA, and NHL, right now there's another league you should have your eyes on, but right now I've got to get to basketball because it's back and I've been enjoying it so much these past four days. You know, in a world with so much uncertainty, where baseball can't get out of its own way, where football has a colossal question mark attached to it, basketball is back, and it's here to stay. I mean, you look at some of the best teams in the league right now. The Toronto Raptors. The Raptors, who have won their division six of the past seven seasons, currently have their best winning percentage in the 25-year history of the franchise. You could argue that this Raptors team... I won't make the argument for better just yet. You can argue they're more exciting than last year's championship Raptors team. You all know I love Kawhi Leonard. This Raptors team is and always has been so much more than just Kawhi. Kawhi is great. Kawhi brought them a championship that they probably would not have had if he was not on that team. Milwaukee was unstoppable last season. They went up 2-0. I thought the Raptors were dead in the Eastern Conference Finals. Rattled off 4th Street and then made quick work of the Warriors. You can argue without Kawhi, that never happens. It probably doesn't. This team is so much more than just Kawhi Leonard. You've got Pascal Siakam, who already, in limited action back, is still reminding everyone that he's the most comparable player out there to the Greek freak. But how about the leader of this team? Because Spicy P is undoubtedly their best player, their most athletic player. 
but we all know the leader of this team is Kyle Lowry. And Kyle Lowry, how about the Saturday night Kyle Lowry had? He single-handedly matched up with LeBron and Anthony Davis for points. Hell, he nearly out-rebounded the two of them. You've got OG and Anobi. I mean, you heard Mark Jones, the great call on ESPN. You know what OG stands for. Outside game, hitting all three of his threes, going for 23 points against the Lake Show. This Raptors team is so electric, so exciting, just so much fun to watch. And I'm sorry, as much as I love Kawhi Leonard, as much as you love Kawhi Leonard, you can argue that this team is so much more fun to watch because they don't have him. Because there's no, oh, well, you know, like every other NBA team, they've got the superstar leading the way. Look, Pascal Siakam is becoming a superstar. I don't think many people thought he'd be what he is coming into this season almost a year ago now, back in October. I don't think anyone thought Pascal Siakam would be one of the league's elite, I'll say one of the league's top 15 players coming into this season. You know, Kyle Lowry has caught flack his entire career for what he doesn't do. People can't appreciate everything that he brings to the table, the tangibles and the intangibles. The fact that Kyle Lowry is annually one of the league leaders in the assist category. The fact that he's a great defender. I know he's a little undersized. I know he doesn't shoot the three ball as well as most point guards in today's day and age shoot the three ball. Kyle Lowry is still a dream point guard. He gets you 10 assists almost every game. He plays stellar defense. Say what you want. He is an above average shooter. All right. He's not Steph Curry out there from beyond the arc. He is a really good shooter. And he's a great leader on a team filled with young athletic talent. Kyle Lowry is everything that you want in a point guard. Ananobi. I mean, look, he said he wanted to model himself after Kawhi Leonard, right? Silent assassin mentality. Ananobi doesn't say much. He gets the job done. He's the most athletic guy on the team. You can argue Pascal Siakam, but Ananobi, a little smaller than Siakam. He's grown into his body a little quicker than Siakam has. You can argue he's the best athlete on this team, while Spicy P is the best basketball player. This Raptors team is a lot of fun. And I think that the ceiling for this team is just as high with or without Kawhi Leonard as the ceiling was for last year's team. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm not here to knock Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard looked fantastic on opening night against the Lakers. In fact, if Anthony Davis doesn't get to the free throw line 17 times, the Clippers win that game. And look, I'm going to stand by what I said earlier in the season, back when Serralo Sports Talk was a radio show, not a podcast. I know it seems like forever ago, but I said the Lakers were going to be the one seed, the Clippers were going to represent the Western Conference in the NBA Finals. And I stand by that. I mean, the Clippers have played two games, and they looked great against New Orleans. Obviously, I'd love to see the Pelicans at full health. I'd love to see Zion Williamson play more than 14 minutes. Gee, that would be great. But the Clippers, nonetheless, looked great. Kawhi looked great. He looked better against the Lakers, actually, than he even did against the Pelicans. Paul George has looked fantastic. And don't forget, they don't even have Montrez Harrell or Lou Will yet. I mean, you've got Montrez Harrell inviting girls on Tinder into the bubble. You've got Lou Will in Atlanta ordering wings from Magic City with a side of a lap dance. By the way, I wish someone told me about those Magic City wings a year and a half ago when I was down in Atlanta. But you've got Lou Will going to strip clubs, Montrez Harrell being careless, and the Clippers are still 
just fine. They're still, in fact, fantastic. And when those guys come back in time for the playoffs, when you have Lou Will and Montrez Harrell, you'll probably, because of how good the Clippers have been all year, have a fairly easy first round of the postseason and then jump into the real competition. They're going to be just fine. They're still going to be representing the Western Conference in the NBA Finals. But what I can't wait for, as much as, look, I'm in no rush for the finals to come, I can't wait to see who the Clippers play. Because I'm telling you right now, it's going to be the Toronto Raptors. I know Mike Budenholzer just won the Coach of the Year, just co-won it with Billy Donovan. And the Milwaukee Bucks are a great team, and they've had a great year. Don't forget, they were fading right before COVID shut down the season in March. I don't know if Giannis can single-handedly carry this team any more than he already has. I don't know if he can take them past an Eastern Conference Finals appearance. Because at the end of the day, you lost Malcolm Brogdon coming into this season. Chris Middleton is a great complimentary player. He's not a superstar. Outside of Giannis, the Milwaukee Bucks don't have as many weapons as the Toronto Raptors do, even in this post-Kawhi season. I think the Raptors are going to repeat as Eastern Conference champs. I can't tell you right now if they're going to repeat as champions of the NBA, but I don't know if I even care that much because more so than who wins Raptors, Clippers, we've still got weeks to go before we even get there. And trust me, I'm not trying to rush that. We just went months without sports. I want to enjoy every little basketball game. I'm going to enjoy Phoenix playing San Antonio in the meantime. But when we get there, and it is the Raptors taking on the Clippers, For the right to repeat as NBA champions, I can't wait. I can't wait to see how the Raptors fans are going to feel about Kawhi when he and the Clippers are the only team standing in between those Raptors and the title of repeat NBA champions. Because there's going to be no love lost between the two. You're going to see just how short of a memory a fan base can have when it's either Kawhi or the Raptors holding the Larry O'Brien trophy, not Kawhi, and his Raptors. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Johannes Cespedes has played his last game as a member of the Mets. But that shouldn't shock anyone. The Mets are always going to Mets. It's what they do. You're listening to Sorallo Sports Talk. It's me, Joe Sorallo. Don't even think about leaving. You're locked into the best sports talk out there. Here's Joe. How about Johannes Cespedes? He has officially played his last game as a member of the New York Mets. But does that really, does that really come as a surprise to anyone right now? I mean, after all, we're talking about the Mets, aren't we? Right? We're talking about the team that has caused me so much pain and heartache for the last 22 years that does it really surprise anyone anymore that they would have a player not show up to the stadium before yesterday's game against the Atlanta Braves, probably someone who was supposed to DH, 
originally. It was supposed to be in the lineup that day. Just not show up. And then when they send a security detail to his hotel room because he's not picking up his phone, they find that he's gone and his bags are packed up and they're gone as well. Does this really surprise anyone at this point? I know it's a first. No, it's not the first time that a Met hasn't shown up to the stadium. Matt Harvey did that a few years back. But the first time that he's just flat up gotten up, gotten his stuff out of his hotel and left the team. Yeah, it's a first. But does it really surprise you? I mean, this is the same team that's had dildos behind their players in post-game press conferences. The same team that's going to be paying someone from the 90s until the day I'm about 50 years old. I mean, does anything, does absolutely anything unfortunate that comes the Mets' way at this point surprise you? If it does, it shouldn't, because it's the Mets, and that's the only logic you need. It's the team that paid this man, and look, I'm not going to bash them. If you bash them for signing Cespedes, you're wrong, because when they made that trade, they don't get to the World Series in 2015 without Ioannis Cespedes, right? I need to establish that first. Without Cespedes, there's no 2015 pennant. Without Cespedes, there's probably no 2016 playoff appearance. Only the second time in franchise history that the Mets have made the playoffs in consecutive seasons. So look, you had to pay him. At the time, four years, a little over 100 mil, it was 100% the right move. But man, Cespedes turned out to be some crook for those four years. How about this? He got over $100 million over the course of four seasons to play in three seasons, and in those three seasons, play just 127 games. I mean, look, he didn't play at all last year, but if you factor in the four years that the contract was worth, he played just over 30 games a season and got just over 25 mil a season. Two, over the course of four years, hit 28 home runs and knock in 75 runs batted in. I mean, that's, it's easy math, right? Seven home runs a season? You got over $25 million a year for seven home runs a year? I mean, Ioannis Cespedes just pulled off one of the best robberies of all time in signing that four-year contract with the Mets. Look, a lot of people say now you shouldn't have signed him in the first place. Hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, at the time, I would have been livid if the Mets didn't sign him. Of course, if they hadn't signed him, he probably would have gone somewhere else, never gotten hurt in the first place, won an MVP or two, and had a couple of rings. That's just, that's the luck of the Mets. It's just what it is. But this now undoubtedly goes down as one of the worst contract signings, not just in Mets history, Jason Bay, but in Major League Baseball history. I mean, what an awful deal this ended up being for the Mets. And the worst part is, you know, not the missed 2019 season, not the shortened 2018 season, 2017, whatever. The worst part is, of course, the way it ended. Because they just couldn't help but add drama to the situation. Instead of getting in contact with him first, because as it turns out, if you haven't heard already, Ioannis Cespedes is opting out of the 2020 season for, quote, COVID concerns. But as it turns out, He opted out, they got in touch with him, and this whole story was blown so far out of proportion. Because, like I said earlier, that's typical Mets fashion. Blow something up, 
let the media create a stir, let the fans wonder what's going on, instead of just figuring out what happened and not releasing to the public in the first place that Cespedes didn't show up to the stadium. There's no fans, there's not a lot of employees there in Atlanta, I'm sure the news would have been just fine kept quiet until they got a hold of Cespedes and until they knew what the hell was going on. But it's what the, it's, it's the Mets. They never know what the hell is going on. And to be frank, the worst part about this whole thing, and this is purely speculation on my end, I don't think Cespedes is quitting on this team, is opting out of the 2020 season because of COVID concerns. I think he's doing it truthfully because the Mets stink. Look, you've got a lot of players out there right now opting out. You've got, well, you had guys like Nick Markakis who now just opted back in. You've got Lorenzo Cain, who after this whole fiasco in the past week between the Cardinals and the Brewers and St. Louis players testing positive, Lorenzo Cain's opted out. Players all over the NFL, I mean, half the New England Patriots have already opted out. But I don't think Cespedes is opting out because of COVID. No, I think Cespedes is opting out because, truthfully, I don't buy that he's healthy. He hasn't played an inning in the field this year. He said he was going to. You know, before the whole COVID-shortened season even happened, at spring training back in February, Cespedes said he'd be back playing left field this season. Well, now it's August. In theory, even though the season just started, it is August 3rd. He should have been playing left field by now. I don't think he's fully healthy. I don't think his head is there. I don't think he wants to be on a team that is three and seven after starting off three and two, that has a five game losing streak, which is the equivalent of like a 15 game losing streak in a 162 game season. I mean, this team has no starting pitching outside of Jake DeGrom and Steven Matz. Their bullpen, Dylan Batances, Edwin Diaz, guys that came in with so much promise, guys that assured them that the bullpen was going to be different from last season. The bullpen has absolutely stunk. This team, flat out, is a disaster. They're not even hitting the ball. I mean, Pete Alonso, I love him, and I'm not going to jump the gun on 10 games of his sophomore season, but Pete Alonso's in a rut. The whole team is in a rut. McNeil's hitting okay, but he's already made four or five errors through 10 games. The whole team is a disaster. And right now, the best thing that could happen to the New York Mets is the season getting canceled because of COVID. Honestly, as a Met fan, look, the baseball fan in me wants a season, wants as much sports as I can get. The Met fan in me is thinking, let's shut this thing down and start anew in 2021. Because these last five days have been an absolute disaster. You go sweep the Red Sox in Fenway, you come home, Jake DeGrom is pitching, and you can't give him any damn run support. Steven Matz has looked great, he's gotten no run support. David Peterson, you're giving a rookie in his second start, who did fine. You know, I know he gave up three runs, but David Peterson so far through two starts has looked great. You gave him zero run support. Zero runs yesterday, and oh, on top of that, you stranded, what, 15 guys in scoring position? I mean, this Mets team is absolutely horrendous. There's no clutch hitting, there's no relief pitching, there's no starting pitching outside of three guys. It's an absolute joke, it's a disaster. What it is, truthfully, is a dumpster fire, but that's what the Mets usually are. Now, if you look at baseball, baseball is a dumpster fire right now in and of itself. I mean, I really don't think, again, I hate saying this, I don't think that this season is going to finish. How can it? You've got teams like the Mets, like about half the teams in the MLB who have already played 10 games, a sixth of their season, and then you've got teams like the Marlins and the Phillies 
that have only played three stinking games all year. I know 10 versus three, if you're playing 162, it's not a lot. When you're only playing 60 games, when and how are the Phillies and the Marlins going to make up the Cardinals now, the Nationals, the Blue Jays, the Brewers? When are these teams going to make up those games? In a season where going into it, going into the 60 games, every team had six scheduled off days, how are these teams that are now seven plus games behind other teams in the league going to make up those games that they've missed because of COVID? Who are they going to make them up against? You can't have the Marlins play anyone. I know today was, what, the second or third straight day the Marlins had zero new positive tests, but, God, they've lost 14 guys because of COVID. I think they've had 19 positive tests, 14 players. How are you going to send the Marlins out there at all in 2020 to play anyone? And where are they going to get the players from? Uh, Baseball just did not handle this well. Rob Manfred, who I was so hopeful about when he began his tenure replacing Bud Selig as the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred has proven himself as bad as any commissioner in any league out there. And baseball was set up to fail from the start. I'm telling you right now, the Mets are a disaster. Baseball's a disaster. The 2020 season will finish without a World Series champion. Don't change that channel. It's time for Joe's final word here on Serralo Sports Talk. It is time for my final word here on Serralo Sports Talk, and I'm going to take this opportunity to touch on a league that I don't think In the history of this show, whether it's been the podcast or the radio show, I don't think I've ever once spoken about this league. The WNBA and the rookie phenom that was so ready, despite the shortened 22-game season, that was so ready to take this league by storm. That is Sabrina Ionescu. I mean, this young woman, if you've watched five minutes of women's college basketball in the last two years, five minutes of this early WNBA season, you know this young woman is an absolute star. And now, sadly, she's going to miss, in all likelihood, the rest of her rookie season with a grade three ankle sprain. But I'll tell you what, because the most impressive thing about Sabrina Ionescu isn't just her talent, which she is undoubtedly going to be one of the premier players in this league in no time, It's the way she conducts herself. I mean, she's a phenomenal basketball player. She boasts the best college basketball career of all time. Not women's college basketball, college basketball. Period. Best. All time. But what a great ambassador for the sport she is as well. I mean, the WNBA has gotten it all 1,000% right so far. You know, if you heard her for two minutes speak at Kobe Bryant's funeral service how much Kobe looked up to her, how much his daughter Gigi looked up to her, you know that the WNBA is in absolutely fine hands with this young woman leading the charge over hopefully the next 20 years. I mean, look at not just her, but the messages from her teammate, Laisha Clarendon, and then Brianna Stewart of the Seattle Storm on opening day. This league gets it. Look, I know, I'm not dumb, I'm not blind, I know the WNBA's viewership 
doesn't come close to the big four North American sports leagues. I know the fan bases don't compare. The money is not even close. But the league and the players get it. And with more and more superstars, like Brianna Stewart, like Elena Deladon, and now like Sabrina Ionescu, this league just gained a fan in me. You know, the Liberty, it's so sad to see her go down. The Liberty weren't going anywhere this year, right? Coach Walt Hopkins knew that. They have 12 players, seven of them are rookies. They weren't going anywhere this year. This was a total rebuilding, experimenting opportunity for the New York Liberty. But they're going to be one of the premier teams in the WNBA moving forward. Maybe, maybe as soon as next season when Ionescu returns. If you're not sold on the quality of this league yet, just remember this. Kobe Bryant would be watching, and this league absolutely has gained a fan for reasons both pertaining to on and off the court. This league has gained a fan in me. And just like that, the return episode of Serralo Sports Talk is up. It's over. It's out of here. Special thanks to Kirsten Krull. Special thanks to my guy Tyler Smith for their work in getting the production of this show out there. Guys, we'll do it again in a few days. For now... I'm Joe Serralo. Thanks for tuning in.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.